This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a bright and shiny good morning to you. Hey, thank you for that. Well, you betcha. It's a bright and shiny day. Sous chef Frankie Proctor here. You're not little. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that would belie what my doctor told me a couple of years ago. I lost somewhere along the line, lost a couple inches a night there. What? Yeah, I went from 5'6". I kept telling people I was (laughs) 5'6". Well, we better have you, uh, you know, the height and the measurement thing. You're 5'4". What? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm shrinking. That's kind of dramatic. Well, it certainly is. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. The weight of the world upon my shoulders is just, just pushing me right down. Oh, well. Hey, here we are, the Garden Show, and we're mm. looking forward to uh, your call or calls. Uh, if you want to call back again, I'll explain how that works in a moment. First of all, let's get the phone numbers going here. In Toronto, give a call to 416-360-0740. And if you're anywhere in the province, it's toll-free, 1-866. 740-4740. Your little mantra goes this way, call early, call often, one question per call. If you happen to be a first-time caller, please let... Um, who's on board? Oh, jo- Joshua. 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 Welcoming uh, Joshua. Yeah. Welcome aboard, Joshua. Let Joshua know you're a first-time caller. He'll let me know. And when we get to the air with your call... That will precede it. A little uh, welcoming... Wings. Yeah, the wing. Garden the, wings. The bell gives you wings so you can... You- Got Be it. like a little butterfly yeah. and flitter about <laughs> in the garden. All right. All right. Uh, so, announcements. Yes. However, I haven't been able to get any email for the last three weeks. Whoops. Little little technical <clears throat> glitch going yeah. on between my computer and the AM740 or the Zoomer um, access to email. So, if you've sent me an announcement on an event and I'm not announcing it, don't it's, take it yeah. personally. <laughs> I just haven't seen it. Why did you... Garden Solutions... Uh, well, your email there? No, I um I do have a lot of things going on though, so I'll, let me get into those. Sure. Okay. And and we'll I'll get this sorted out <clears throat> next right. week, and then I'll have five hundred announcements for next week. <laughs> uh, right. <clears throat> so there's that. Oh, um, this past Wednesday, I participated in a taping of the Zoomer show. Oh, which right. was great fun. A bunch of my garden buddies were on a panel with me. It was the garden episode, so it was quite fun. Marissa is the host. She's very, mm-hmm. very lovely woman, and uh, so I just want to say that was fun. And we had giveaways for the audience, which was little pots of ranunculus, which were donated by Tara Greenhouses. So a big shout out and a thank you to Tara for supporting me and hey, Zoomer nice? and the show and the audience they were fun the audience it was like standing room only very popular hey, good stuff yeah all right this month this monday oh my goodness this monday already on april the 9th eight o'clock uh in the evening the asian clerk Agent Court Garden Club will be meeting at the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland at Shepherd in Toronto. Edna Caldwell will teach everyone about roses. She is a, it's a very friendly group. So 
Check them out. Mm. Everybody's welcome. Um, they're always happy to see new members. And, of course, they have great desserts. I mean, uh-huh. this, one of the best things about Hort Society <laughs> meetings is great the dessert desserts. tables are marvelous, They right? sure are. All, yeah. uh, all these homemade goodies, usually. Uh, this Monday as well, I'll be speaking at the Innisfil Garden Club in the Churchill Community Center. You were there last year. 6322, uh, was I? Nah, yeah. Not Innisfil Garden Club. <laughs> Are you right? I was, I, I'm all over the place, really. I'm kind of like city TV. I'm everywhere. Um, the, um, no, I, uh, I don't remember going to the Innisfil Garden Club. Oh. I thought I. I remember I was at like remember a real, yeah, I was, Somebody called to confirm that. Would you? Is Frankie going nuts or not? No. Okay, well I can look back at my. Okay. I can check my schedule from before. But nevertheless, if there's a meeting going on this Monday. <laughs> it is at the Churchill Community Center, which is six three two two Young Street in Innisfil. Meeting starts at seven thirty. My topic is designing with trees and shrubs. Okay. And of course, everybody is completely welcome. Uh, now this next Saturday. April 14th, after this particular show, I'll be speaking at the Berry Garden Club as part of their spring seminar, 1.30 in the afternoon. Meeting is at the Tangle Creek Golf Club, which is apparently quite swanky, in Thornton. My topic is great gardens with less water. It's always a favorite topic of mine to present. So I can leave it there, except to one one segue from great gardens with less water. It's just a a good connection over to what's going on in South Africa and Cape Town Mm -hmm. and the drought. Yeah, and of course, fingers are crossed that you know rainy season is starting. Some real rain is going to fall, so they get some water into the reservoirs in Cape Town. But just a shout out and a and a congratulations to the citizens of Cape Town for being as as compliant as they're being. They're down to fifty liters of water a day. Try try that. Yeah, exactly. And there's huge pride in wearing dirty clothes and having greasy hair and having a really dirty car because it's you know you're just not wasting water yeah, when yeah. you're when you're being very so. But that's, careful. you know, uh, portent of things to come, possibly, you know, for the rest of us. So, <laughs> exactly. conserve, yes, right? Exactly. You betcha. Yeah. Okay, we have to take a little bit of a break here. And when we come back, we'll say hi and welcome to Gloria, right here in Toronto, on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And, Charlie, let's turn things over to our first caller, Gloria, mm-hmm. to pose a question for you. Good morning, Gloria. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. What's going on? Oh, this is my second time talking to the, to you. So, um, um, I remember uh, last week or the week before they were talking about hostas and the formula mm-hmm. that uh, they put together. It's uh, You know what the formula yeah. is. It's ammonia and water. That's right. And... Um, my question is, um, when do you put it on and for how long? Okay, good question. And your timing is very good for that question. And welcome back again, by the way. Thank you. We'll have to, so we've got a bell <laughs> yeah. for first-time callers. Maybe, a second-time caller, well, yeah. Maybe we need another a, a gong. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that might work. <laughs> when I first called, I, they forgot to ask that question. I never got a bell. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh well, Frank, we can fix that it. right yeah. away. Just a minute. There you there go. You go You've got your wings. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. All right. So you're going to mix up 10 parts water with one part household ammonia. Okay, into a liquid. Liquid. So there you've got the two liquids mixed together into a bottle that's got a spritzer on top or a mister kind of a gizmo. Okay. 
right now is still a bit early, but if the if and when temperatures warm up, which they will in the next week or ten days, mm-hmm. uh, what's going to start to happen, of course, is the war the soil is going to warm up and. Uh, all the life is going to wake up and eggs are going to hatch, etc. Slugs have overwintered in the top couple of inches of our soil mm-hmm. in our gardens as eggs. Mm-hmm. So there's still eggs right now completely dormant. But they will be ready to hatch in the next few weeks as the warmth factor sets in. Okay. The hostas, meanwhile, are going to wake up as the soil starts to warm up. And you know what they look like when they're just coming up in the spring. Yes. They have little noses sticking up out of the soil. Mm-hmm. But it's all bare earth around the hostas. Mm-hmm. That's where the slug eggs are. The slug eggs are all around your hostas. So uh, now, gonna... how how many inches from the uh, the where, where the hostas are coming mm-hmm. up? Yeah. How far should I spray around the, the circumference? So, well, depending on how big the hostas get. Well, mine uh, get pretty big. Yeah, so don't hesitate to do a real proper spritzing and spraying of the soil, the soil surface, mm-hmm. where it, around your hostas. Don't concentrate on spraying on those little noses as they're coming up, because yeah. plants don't like ammonia. But certainly so, from yeah, the soil... That, would they be damaged if, uh, if uh, I see the little nodes coming up and, and that spray gets on them? Would um, they be? Only if you saturate. Uh, uh-huh. So just try not to saturate or get the ammonia on the, the green. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it's not an issue. And certainly the ammonia does not hurt the soil at all. It actually mm-hmm. feeds the plants. So so you're just trying to get this spray out onto the soil, get the soil well wetted with this, uh, with this solution mm-hmm. uh-huh. because it will kill the slugs. And meanwhile... Now, mine are pretty close to the grass. Um, I don't mind if it kills the grass. I just want to get rid of these slugs. Yeah. And, of course, remember, you're never going to get rid of every slug. But you will certainly lower the population, the initial population in Uh your garden. So as we'll progress through the season, if it rains every day like it did last year, we'll just Uh get lots more slugs. But if it doesn't, we won't. It's it's pretty weather So you have to continue this uh, all through the summer, do you, this this this, uh, well, let's see what the weather becomes. If it's if it's a dry summer, you will not have a lot of slug problems. So you'll be fine with that first spray, uh-huh. just the one in the spring. But let's see how it goes. See how the everything unfolds. Slugs, uh-huh. the slug population is directly connected to moisture levels. So it's if we have, moisture level, yeah, yeah. Lots of rain, we'll have lots of slugs. So you'll need to spray some more if that's the case. After it rains, I'll spray again. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. I'll, and always just try and avoid spraying leaves. Mm-hmm. Okay. I will. May I ask you a very quick question? I, I would love to buy a beautiful clematis because I have a uh, an arbor here that's bare and it needs to be covered. Is there a farm where you can go and they just grow clematis? Huh. In Ontario? Yeah. Not that I know of. No. Um, let me think about that for a few minutes. Yeah, oh, very, very good listening. of you to slide that second that question in there, <laughs> <laughs> Gloria. Uh, and I've come up oh, with a solution nice. now for second-time callers. Uh, if you oh. are a second-time caller, yeah. what we do is open a bottle of champagne. <laughs> oh, there we are. <laughs> there, and we'll pour, pour you a glass of champagne. Uh, all right, we're going to move to our next caller here, with thanks to Gloria for that. Uh, Shelley in St. Catharines, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you, and good morning to you on this beautiful, sunshiny day. You got it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I have an issue with um, begonias that I kept over. Uh Um, Last year, I put them in the paper bag and did everything that you said to do, and they they died. Like, they they just went into nothing, dust. Mm -hmm. So this year, I decided, okay, I'm going to leave them in the soil Mm -hmm. and... 
leave them, and I just took them out this week, mm -hmm. and everything's nice and firm and hard. Mm -hmm. So I thought, good, I'm good. <laughs> so far, I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. But when do I plant them for having them starting to grow and, and bloom? So when you say left them in the soil, are they in pots right now? They were in pots. Uh -huh. I took them out of the out of the soil, out of the pot, mm -hmm. and they still have some soil around them, but I took most of it off, mm -hmm. and uh, I just have them sitting on top of the soil at the moment. Okay, so they will shrivel up and dry out if they're just sitting out in the, exposed to the air. So get them into pots again, get some fresh soilless mix or potting soil of some kind, but make sure it's fresh, not already been used. Um, I don't know how many begonia tubers you've got, but... Typically, we'll, um, you know, be four-inch pots or six-inch pots, depending on the size of the tubers, and then one per pot. Of course, moist, mo moisten the soil because it's packed dry. When you bring it home, it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's just super dry. So get that nice and moist into the pots. Begonia tubers almost on the surface. That's a cup-shaped uh, product. So cup up, if you will, mm -hmm. and the top rim of the cup right on the surface of the soil. Uh, m again, a little water, sunny window ledge, and they will start to grow. And it, would you do it now? Yes, I would. I would get those going now. I would get any of my tubers going now that uh, are uh, worth starting inside or it's, we're able to start inside, whether it's dahlias, begonias, cannas, callas, all those things, if possible, should be potted up now inside in preparation to go outside uh, whenever, you know, six weeks from now. Okay, so you said to put them in, well, these would probably have to go into a, a six-inch pot okay. because they're a good size. Good, good, good. Um, but, uh, so start them in that and then transplant them into the other bigger pots for, that I put them in? That's right. So if they are ultimately going into, they're going to be massed together into a big pot, that's fine. But for now, just start them individually in pots that are just slightly bigger than the current tubers. And you can do all your transplanting and designing with them in the future when you're taking them outside. But for now, uh, don't be putting them in big, huge pots right now. Just put them into what's just slightly bigger than the tuber. Okay. Excellent. Okay. okay. All righty. I, I have another question, well, but I guess I'm going to have to <laughs> call say, back. <laughs> Shelly, if you want to call back, that's yeah. terrific. Because uh, we do, in fact, right now we've got another line open. Yep. So do call back. In fact, uh, let me, I was just going to repeat the phone numbers here, mm -hmm. and I'll do that right now. In Toronto, call 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the province, it is toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And we'll be along to say hi to Donna in Flamborough in just a moment here on the Garden Show from Zuma Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zuma Radio. And uh, Charlie, as promised, let's uh, flee to Flamborough. <laughs> and here's Donna on the line. Good morning, Donna. Hi, Donna. Good morning. I have a Myers lemon tree, mm -hmm. well, more like a bush, I guess, yeah. that's being a problem child. Oh. And um, it goes, it's maybe four years old. It goes outside in the summer mm -hmm. and stays in the house in the winter. Mm -hmm. And for the last two years, it, I would bring it in, in um, <clears throat> you know, depending on the weather, mm -hmm. you know, late fall, mm -hmm. and it would bloom. Mm -hmm. 
And last year I did the, the pollinating thing with the little brush. Oh, yeah. And got some what appeared to be little lemons. Uh-huh. And shortly thereafter, well, maybe a couple of weeks thereafter, they began to dry up and fall off. Oh. But they certainly looked like the little Beginning. lemons. I was little rather pleased. Green. I thought it was quite successful. Huh. However, um, I noticed when I brought it in last fall, um, I did have to use some insecticide on it because it had uh, kind of a, a beige-type uh, insect or scale um, on, the, on the stems. Okay. And I, I sprayed it, and it did fine, but it appeared to do fine. But mm. then the leaves started to seep uh, a sap-like, um, sticky kind of substance. Right. And, of course, now it's got its leaves. Mm. Uh, it's never lost the leaves, but mm. it's really just sitting in the pot doing nothing. Looking sad. So I'm wondering, what could mm. I do to mm. in, improve its environment? <laughs> what did you spray it with last fall? Seven. Oh. Huh. So you're leftover not, you seven. Sh- I was going to say, you better say that quietly. That's against the law. I know, <laughs> but now it is, but it was um, like leftover. Right. Okay, so, and you had, it was inside the house when you did that. Now, um, or it was l- time to bring it in. It was. It, I did it when it was time to bring it in. Yeah, okay. So scale is a, a very difficult insect to kill. Okay. Uh, seven actually if it's sprayed at the right time, can be quite effective. Um, seven has, sorry, a scale make a shell that's a little protective armor that they cover their bodies with. Okay. So that's why it's so difficult to, to spray and kill them. Um, back in the day when we used to use insecticides that would be absorbed by the plant and then make the plant poisonous, systemic insecticides is what they were called, uh, it was quite good for killing insects that we couldn't get at because then the insect would chew on the plant and would die because the plant was poisonous. Of course, with a lemon that you hope to eat, the last thing you want to do is make it poisonous with a systemic spray anyway. I would, at this point, put get out a magnifying glass if necessary and do a very thorough inspection on this plant. Okay. Looking for any evidence of the scale because it's a very distinctive brown bumps. But uh, they'll be in the underside of the leaves, on the stems, on the main branches. could be anywhere on the plant. And they're like glued right on. And that's their little mouths that are sucking juices from the plant. And uh, you we're going to pick them off individually by hand at this point if you do see them. If they're dead, they'll just flick that right off just like dust. If they're alive, they'll be holding on a little more tightly, but you can still get them off with your thumbnail or fingernail. Um, the other thing we sometimes do is a Q-tip dip, dipped in rubbing alcohol and then touched individually onto each of these little scale insects, and they, that will kill the insects as well. Um, that's where I'd start. Perhaps it's time to really give that plant a rejuvenation by considering transplanting it. Is it is it looking pot bound at all, or is it just is it in a very large pot now? It's I I would it's been in the pot it's been in for probably three years. Oh, so I, I imagine it's it's becoming pot bound, and I have considered tra- uh, 
refreshing things. This yeah, because this would be a time to do it. The, sp- the spring is always a great time to, to give everything like a real thorough cleaning and freshening. Um, you know, taking our plants into the shower is, uh, you know, getting all that winter dust and dirt in my house, cat hair off of plants. is a, It's a, just so good for them to just cleanse them down with, the, um, you know, after we've cooped up all winter with plants indoors with us, can be a really nice time, as well as the transplanting if required. Uh, fertilizing, again, lemons do like an all-purpose uh, flowering plant type fertilizer. So getting all those things going is what I would do. And then, of course, outside all summer, make sure that ultimately this plant ends up in a quite sunny spot. Um, it, it, you'd want to be careful you don't overwater, but when you do water, water thoroughly. Make sure that the plant is getting thoroughly saturated, but then drying down fairly well in between waterings um, and in preparation to come in in the fall. The, uh, it, it sounds to me like just it's, it's had some stresses going on in its life. It did end up with insects, which stressed plants often do end up with some kind of an infestation. And so, you know, good of you to, to recognize that and try and control it. So I would say just keep doing what you're doing. Just get at whatever is infesting that plant out of, you know, away from that plant. Do, you know, do the due diligence to get it cleaned right up. And I think you'll find it'll love the summer, love the longer days and the warmth once it hits. So okay. is, is there a legal insecticide that I should keep on hand? That will control scale. The only one out there that I know of is called End All. So E-N-D-A-L-L. And I believe that's the correct name because there was some change up with packaging. Um, scale insects can only be controlled when they've just hatched. When they're brand new little babies and they haven't grown Got that, that shell. shell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are very, very vulnerable then. They're called, it's the crawler stage. So, you know, that's the thing about scale. It's very limited on when you can spray and be effective. Okay. So, okay. well... If worse comes to worse, take pictures, send me pictures. We can identify what kind of scale it is, figure out when the crawler stage happens. Yeah. And Thanks. let me give the uh, uh, email number uh, for Charlie's email. Yeah. Send yeah. me email. Of course, I can't pick it up at this point, but oh, yeah. send email. Oh, yeah. oh, I will. I, at some point, uh, I'll be able to uh, all right. read my email. <laughs> and here it is when it gets working. <laughs> C. Dot Dobbin, at, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Okay, there you go. Thank you. And thank you for that call, Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, we're moving over to Brampton uh, next here on our list of uh, callers. Well, there's Pearl. Good morning, Pearl. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Charlie. Um, I have a hibiscus. Mm-hmm. It's about six years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it was it, indoor hibiscus, actually. In the summer, I put it out. Yep. Yeah, tropical, okay. Yeah, and in the winter I bring it in. Uh-huh. But then in 2015, I moved from Mississauga to Brampton, mm-hmm. and I left it in the garage, and all the leaves and everything dried out. Uh-huh. And then I, I noticed when, they fought, when the spring was coming that there were leaves beginning to grow again. Mm-hmm. So I put it on my veranda, and it grew. And then I, brought, I put it down outside on the ground, yeah. and I brought it inside a little orangey bug in the soil. Uh-huh. So I looked online, and they said to um, mix garlic and rubbing alcohol and spray the soil, mm-hmm. which I did. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any bugs or anything, but now the plant has grown. It's growing very large, uh, long stems and large leaves, right. but no flowers, and the stems are very, very slender. Okay, so that's an indication of... An- 
insufficient light. When a plant is that wants high light intensity is yeah. in a situation where it's not getting as much light as it would like. Okay. The common term is that it's stretching to the light, so it'll have long, very weak growth, and it'll be floppy because it's weak and it's it's thin and uh, it. Yeah. So in your case, if you can get it in a brighter spot in your home prior to going outside this summer, I would do so. Uh, if you can't, then I consider supplemental indoor lighting for that plant. A little grow light. Lots of very cool little LED lights out there right now. Very, very inexpensive to run and very effective to keep plants happy. But your timing is good as well in terms of what you're saying that, you know, it's kind of lots of leaves growing, growing, no flowers. This is the time of year when you want to do your big pruning back on your hibiscus plants. Do not hesitate to take as much as a third off of that plant every single branch, stem, cut it back, uh, shape it so it looks better. Uh, it will also make it a more dense and compact and better looking plant. It'll also eliminate the flop value because you'll take away a lot of that weak stem growth. And it means you won't have to prune it next August and September when you're bringing it in because it'll be a nice size and it'll be flowering then because that's when you don't want to prune it is when it's flowering. So now's the time to get out your pruners. There you go. There it is. Okay. Thank you, Burl. And, yeah, uh, nice thanks of you for to that. join us on a beautiful sunny morning. Hey, uh, remember just a few callers ago? Yes. Uh, we had Shelly online from yes. St. Catherine. Yes. I said, now, Please call back again. And by gosh, she so did she did what you told her. Yeah, so second time call, we are going to open up that bottle of champagne. Yeah, <laughs> again. Boy, we're getting some good champagne today. There we are. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, I'll drink to that. Welcome Hello, Jill. Back, Welcome Jill. back. I'll drink to that, too, if you want to send nice. me some over. Sure. <laughs> um, Charlie, I'm calling regarding the lady was talking about the hostas and the uh, ammonia and the water. Yeah. My hostas, I have mulch around them. Right. So do I spray the mulch or do I pull the mulch back and then spray and put the mulch back on top? It depends on how long that mulch has been there. If the mulch is very old and it's quite broken down and it's almost like a soil now, then I would just spray the mulch. If it's very chunky and was just applied last August, you know, fresh out of the bag kind of thing, I would move it out of the way, spray the soil, put the mulch back. Okay. okay yeah. I, all right. It went down last last summer, so yeah. I'll pull it back. Pull then. it back. Probably the slugs are unlikely to have laid eggs in a real chunky uh, mulch because they wouldn't survive the winter the way they will once underground. So that's where you're more likely. I mean, I have found slug eggs in the top couple of inches in my garden, but and it's a real mix in my case of leaves and soil. So they love that. It's like a leaf mulch, leaf mold that they'll just love, and uh, they'll lay eggs in that without even hesitating. But I think they would avoid the mulch and go down deeper into the soil. What do slug eggs look like? What color are they? Uh, you're not going to really recognize them as eggs. What you're going to recognize is when they hatch. Because what happens is it's just thousands, well, maybe not thousands, hundreds of little baby slugs in, in literally like in a ball uh, on in the soil. Because they, they keep, they stay together. The eggs are all... Um, 
laid together. They hatch together, and it's just this ball of slugs that, and then when they hatch, of course, they keep each other warm, and as the things start to warm up and they get bigger and they can move out to look for food, they all separate from this ball. But if you've ever seen a mass of worms, what, yeah, how they'll, yeah. they'll come together to stay warm in the winter, that's what slug, newly hatched slug nest looks like. It's just, instead of being worms, they're slugs. Very mucusy. And, uh, and so, yeah, when you discover something like that, it's like, hate to kill them, but on the other hand, real good opportunity. There's <laughs> yeah, yeah. like hundreds right here in my hand. So, uh, so yeah. how, how, like, how do you get rid of them then? Like, if you're not using the spray and you found this ball of well, well, that if, if in the case of the ball of slugs, you know what? Take that little ball, go lay it out on the hot, sunny roadway, and they'll just bake in the sun because they can't they can't escape the hot asphalt and the hot sun, and the birds will eat them. But uh, or you know eliminate them in that sort of a way. Um, there are there is slug bait, and slug bait works quite well. You know, once we get into the growing season again, but every time it rains, it has to be replaced, and we put the bait around our hostas. Kind of a constant and, thing you have to babysit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, last year was the 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 year of the slug, so oh. most of us had some pretty ugly well, looking hostas. It was oh, so much gosh, rain. There was yeah. so many slugs, and we're just hoping it won't be quite as wet this year, and, and that it will warm up at some point, and things will hatch. But uh, but yeah, just stay on it. Start with the ammonia spray, and then if you need to get into the bait, you can do that, or spray more carefully uh, as summer progresses. Thank you very much, Shelley, for uh, joining us. Second time round. Yeah, <laughs> here great. on the uh, on the garden show. And uh, a quick note: uh, if if you're looking for a good time to call, boy, now would be excellent. We've got uh, about three lines open. Uh-huh. So if you're in the Toronto area, call four one six three six zero zero seven forty. And anywhere in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And uh, have you? Did you watch any of the Masters golf tournament? You're not no. a real golfer, no. Well, I watched the Raptors last night. But, uh, oh well, hey, congratulations to them <laughs> exactly. too. Exactly, super win. Yeah. But the Masters is a great uh, viewing spot for flowers. That oh, uh, Augusta is phenomenal, oh, gorgeous. It really and, is, and impeccably maintained, obviously. And my heart. Is pulling for Adam Hadwin, Canadian. Who's, oh, he's, he's right up it. there. I mean, he's in the top. I think four, five uh, on the. Oh yeah, uh, and they're in second round now. Or yeah, yeah. It, no, it'll be uh, third, round. third round. Yeah, okay. third round. Yeah, today and tomorrow. So and it's all over tomorrow. Yep. Oh. Yeah, but wow. It, watching golf is like watching paint dry, oh, if you ask no, me. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. And we got Tiger Woods back in there. Uh, oh, here that he's man. struggling to stay in yes, it. But, he uh, yes, he is. Just got through, just by a sliver. Yeah. Anyway, um, enough of that. <laughs> yes. We'll get to our callers, because the lines are oh. going crazy now. Okay. And good. we have to take a bit of a break here, Charlie. All righty. Meantime, uh, you are listening to The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's say hi to Marie calling in from Port Hope. Good morning, Marie. Yes, good morning. Morning. I won't take a lot of your time. I just missed the part where you told us ammonia and whatever, that's all I caught for the mixture for the uh, slugs. Spray. And I have a big problem with my hostas. Could you just repeat it for me and I won't take any more of your time. Yep, it's 10 parts water to one part ammonia, just household ammonia. In mixed okay, up 10 into, parts of water. So okay, guess. 10 to 1. Water to, water to ammonia. 
Yeah, the greater amount being water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's uh, yeah, it's like the soap spray, right? When we're trying to kill mm-hmm. insects, that's yeah. a forty to one water to soap, not detergent. Okay, and kind of you kind of Thank ask you. us to hurry along because we do have other callers. I appreciate yeah. that, Marie. Siva in Toronto. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Morning. Welcome I back. I want to know why I all the pictures I see in Italy, the little zucchini has the flowers, and here there's none in the supermarkets. Why? Oh, you, you mean know, when the they're for sale? That you can when they're selling the zucchini in the store, they've got little the little flowers still attached? I think we lost her. Actually, every market you see, mm-hmm. they all have the beautiful little pigtails mm. or flowers. Mm. But we don't have them here. If you go into a store here, the zucchini doesn't have the flower. I was wondering why. Well, it's a good question, and I don't actually know the answer, except yeah. I have two suggestions why. Zucchini we're buying in our stores today here in Ontario. Um, I'm not the grocery shopper at our house, so I'm not exactly sure where they're from, but they're probably from, like, Peru or somewhere. They're coming from Mexico, a long ways away. Okay. So there's that shipping aspect. And we have some really strict um, hygiene rules, Mm -hmm. partially for the importings across borders, but also just that whole product safety with edibles that are not packaged typically. Okay. So there's... I would think, uh, having seen some of these things on video in the past, that the zucchini that are coming into Ontario from uh, outside Canada are going through some washing and drying and packaging and shipping and whatever little sweet plant parts might have been attached are detached in that process. And they're doing that because they feel that that's the right thing to do. Whereas you get over to Italy and parts of Europe, there's far more, far better access to locally grown produce. So it's all about fresh, fresh, fresh in Italy from what I understand from my Italian friends. So it's typically locally grown, hasn't shipped so far and might not have been washed quite as extensively as ours are. Okay. I think. I, yeah, I think that's what's going on. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Siva. Uh, Galia, to uh, East York we go. There's Dan on the line. Hey, good morning, Dan. Uh, good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Uh, I have a question about dormant spray. Um, I sent you an email this week, but uh, you, you think you said that your email is not working. Yes, so correct. I thought I'd call in. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, I've been delaying spraying the dormant because mm-hmm. I, uh, in order to do that, I need to unmound my roses. I need to remove the collar. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid if I do all that and I spray the dormant, and we've had such cold weather mm-hmm. that I'll actually damage the plant. And now I'm seeing little buds uh, showing up on the canes, and I'm wondering if I've, if I've left it too late to, to spray the dormant. Spray. No, because if your little buds haven't broken out into actual leaves yet, which they won't have, then you're still good to go. This has definitely been a challenging spring for getting dormant spray onto any of our plants, because if you read the instructions on the spray, it says you need to um, spray when there's no rain in the forecast. Yes, so yes. that's not that bad. We've had some dry weather. But it has to be above zero, preferably above zero, for over a 24-hour period. Now, looking forward at the weather coming up, we are above zero during the day, but we're going well below zero overnight. So that's the challenge. Um, So keep on top of the forecast of the weather. Jump on the opportunity as soon as you can to do the spring when we get the right um, weather conditions. Okay. In terms of uncovering... During the night as well as during the day? Yes, exactly. You want it to be above zero for at least 24 hours because it's... 
that's just the way that spray is going to work on any living, overwintering organisms on the plant. Oh, great. But what I do with my roses, um, when I've covered them in the fall and it's an unpredictable spring or it's an up and down spring, I will, over a period, like say this weekend, you know, time to get out in the garden a little bit, just take away, like, take away the rose collar entirely, take away half the mound, don't take it all away. So half the mound could actually go elsewhere in the garden. The other half amount, just move it away from the crown of the plant so that now your, your plant is exposed to the sun and the rain and you can spray it. But you've still got soil handy if we suddenly get a minus 10 night in our forecast. You can quickly just sh- uh, shoot that half that mound that's still there back up around and over the crown of the plant. So don't take it too far away until we're truly frost free. And yeah. in good, in, it, it's kind of double the work, but it is better for the road to get them opened up and in the real world then protected under that mound for too long because you're right that that can become a real problem yeah. when roses are growing under the mound so yeah so, super question Dan thank, yeah, thank you very calling. much yeah. and I'm going to ask Lou and Marie and maybe somebody else uh, calling in to hang tight we're going to be back with more from Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Gee, Charlie and I were just trying to figure out when was the last time we heard from somebody in King City. I know. Hmm. Well, we are right now. Hey, there's Lou. (laughs) Good morning, Lou. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Enjoy your show. Thank you. I have a very confused uh, admiralist (laughs) bulb. Uh, a few years ago, I was given two bulbs in uh, in a pot, about eight inch pot. Mm-hmm. They flowered for about uh, four to five years. Beautiful mm-hmm. flowers, mm-hmm. and uh, now uh, one of them has died and gone to heaven, mm-hmm. and the other one uh, and uh, left uh, three of springs, which I'm very glad of. Mm-hmm. The other one is firm and green and just refuses to wake up. What do you suggest? Uh, so, okay, so it's firm, it's green, but but is it? There's no growth on it at all. There's no growth. <laughs> okay, and have you, when when the when its buddy went to heaven, did you transplant the single bulb into a smaller pot so that it stands alone, or is it still in that original bigger pot? It's still in the original pot. Okay, and the one that no longer survived, did you actually dig it out, or is there debris still in there? It's still in there. So what I would do, if there's no growth on the the one, is I would get a pot that's just slightly larger than the firm, healthy bulb, fresh potting soil. I would dig it up out of its existing pot, put it into this new, likely smaller pot with some fresh, well-drained potting mix or soilless mix. Uh, Water thoroughly. Make sure it's a moist soil that you put it into. Give a thorough watering. Place that into a nice sunny windowsill or under some grow lights after that one single watering. And just keep an eye on it. I think you'll find that in the next week to 10 days, it will start to grow. And then you'll start to do, give it some consistent water. But until you start to see that growth, be very careful that you don't overwater when it's still dormant. But you are basically going to just try and jumpstart it, wake it up uh, with, some, with some fresh soil, with a smaller uh, pot. It might be grieving. You never know. It lost its buddy. 
and it might just be saying, I'm, I'm not doing anything. You know, it needs a whole new world there, a new outlook on life. So new pot, fresh soil, uh, sunshine and some water. And I think you'll see, you'll wake it up and it will bloom now, which is fine. It just won't bloom at Christmas. That's all. You'll have a, you know, Mother's Day amaryllis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Lou. <laughs> I think it was uh, always one day last week. Uh, Shirley and I went up to Keswick. Oh yeah, and uh, popped into a place called the Fashion Boutique. Really nice lady in there, Jeanette. I believe her name was. Mm-hmm. And so I promised I'd give her a little shout out. Oh. Nice to have met you, Jeanette. And why I mentioned Keswick? Yes. Because Mary online from Keswick. Hey, good morning. Hi, hey. Mary. Morning. Um, I have a question about uh, you were speaking earlier with a. Uh, caller mm-hmm. about a lemon tree that had scale. Now, I don't have a lemon tree. My, I think, a scale, is it possible I would have scale on my orchid? It's possible. Yeah? Not super likely, but, but possible. Go ahead. Uh, it's um, like um, half an orange type, you know, half of a circle. Exactly. And uh, brown, mm-hmm. maybe reddy brown, and um, it has a very hard to take off the leaf. Right. And it uh, has a sticky on, I've noticed some sticky yeah. parts of the leaf, but not, I, I couldn't see any bugs or anything. Yeah, so what's happening is the scale insect has mouth parts that are poking minuscule microscopic holes into the leaves uh-huh. and sucking juices out of the plant. So uh-huh. when, scales move slowly, but they do move. So when uh-huh. it moves, it leaves behind those microscopic holes where liquids drip out of the leaf. That's, that's just that's what's going on there. So what you should do is one of the things that I suggested that Donna do if she saw any scale on her lemon and you're seeing the scale on the orchid, rubbing alcohol, Q-tip. So if you can't pick them off and and remove them and put them in the toilet kind of thing, uh, the scale, then with the Q-tip, just touching the that shiny orangey brown shell on its back is an excellent way with that full strength rubbing alcohol that will kill the the scale and then a week or so from now yeah they'll fall off it will hurt the plants you want to try and not touch the plant won't kill it with you know if a tiny bit gets on the plant but it's worth it to get rid of the scale because ultimately the scale will kill the plant Okay. Okay. All righty. Uh, we do have time for one more caller for quickly. I think you're uh, okay. Maria in Mississauga. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Maria. Hi. I um, I received um, hydrangea from my sister about a month ago uh-huh. after coming back from the hospital, mm-hmm. and, and it's all drying up. I've been watering it, and um, you know, like the flowers died yeah. back, and now all the leaves are dying back. Okay, so okay, so hydrangea do love water and do need very consistent water, sometimes every couple of days, depending mm-hmm. on w- the temperatures and the light levels that you've got them sitting in. If it dried out and started to wilt a bit and then you poured a bunch of water on it and uh, two days later did it again and again and again, you could have now overwatered it. So if after all this watering, it's looking very limp, get out my pruners. I would prune out those flowers that are toast. They're done. They're gone. Um, and then get it in. Of course, it's in a sunny window somewhere. It's in some bright light and feel the soil. If the soil is wet, do not water. Let it dry down, give it a couple of days, however long it takes, or yeah, make sure it's not sitting in any water. Make sure there's no plastic wrap around it that's holding water uh, near the plant. And, and I think by cutting it back, drying it down, it'll probably come back. All right. Thanks, Maria. Well, there we are. My gosh, that show is boom. Just Boy, yeah. In and out. Fast. We're uh, 
off and running. Yeah. So what do you got going on today? Well, I'm going to be enjoying breakfast on you. That's correct. It <laughs> is your, my turn. Your turn to pay. Oh, goody. Mm, dry mm-hmm. toast and water for you. Uh, no, a little steak and eggs, I think it might be. <laughs> Thank you very much, Joshua, I'm for your help. call ahead and tell them <laughs> to take the steak off the rest on the, off the menu. <laughs> yes, thank you, Joshua. Good job. Thank you, Frank. Couldn't do any of this without you. Thanks for all our great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.